introduce you to my friend Ted Kim from, that's right, this is an incredible gift. Ted uh, has been an incredible friend to me, and um, I want to tell you two things that I would love for you to know about him, and then it is going to be, uh, will be at your disposal, friend. So the first is this, for the last two years, Ted has faithfully prayed for me every month, and it has been life-giving to me, and so I am forever indebted to you for that being the way that you live your life. And the second thing is, he is the lead, he's the senior pastor of the Evanston Vineyard in Chicago, and we have a similar story of transitioning in as lead pastors for founding pastors of local churches. So we're honored to have you. Would you all welcome Ted and take us to there? Thanks, Kurt. Hey, it's so good to be with you today. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably going to share some things that maybe I shouldn't. So maybe you guys will never have me back. But it's great to have you here, or great to be here, I should say. Um, I love the vineyard. I love Kurt. Uh, I was just sitting there talking to my friend Kathy Maskell, um, <laughs> and we were just saying that Kurt, we would love to come to this church and have Kurt be our pastor and take all of the problems that we experience week to week to week and give them away kindly, graciously to other people and put them on you, Kurt, your broad shoulders. Um, I, I look at Kurt and I said, like, some, at some point, Lord, you and I will have a conversation about why he looks like that and why I look like this. So anyway, anyway, I, uh, okay, well, no, 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 I mean, like, I have made in the image of God, I have been wonderfully um, knitted together, Psalm 139, I know, I know all of that truth, but I will still have that conversation with the Lord. I will still have that conversation with the Lord. When I'm in the womb of contentment, in intimacy with him, we will have that conversation. Anyway, I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad to be in a vineyard. I love the vineyard. I love the vineyard movement of churches. Uh, some of you are here and you're like, well, I just like this church. Uh, I just, I live in Pearland and is that how you say it, Pearland? Yes, okay. I'm like trying to learn the local geography. So Pearland, I mean, some of you are just, you just live here and you're like, this is a great church and I really like this church and I like that my kids have a good experience or I like that I'm here at this church because it's so close to my home. And so you're here and you don't really know that much about the vineyard, but the vineyard is a movement of churches all across the world, probably, I don't know, a few thousand strong. And... Um, and for many of you, you've had the experience where you've come into a vineyard and you've thought, man, I am home. This is it. This is it for me. And everywhere you've gone after that, you've been, I'm going to look for a vineyard. Because when I walk through the doors, all of a sudden I realize, I have found my people. How many of you are looking for your people? Looking for your people. How many of you have ever met that person that says, I have my people? And you think, where are they? <laughs> you know, I don't, where, who are my people? Um, anyway, so you find yourself in a vineyard. I find myself in a vineyard. I love the vineyard movement of churches. I remember going to the church I currently pastor as a college student many, many years ago. I know that I look very young, and so you're probably thinking, well, that can't be that long ago, but trust me, it was a really, really long time ago. But I remember as a college student going into a vineyard and stepping across the threshold at this vineyard and feeling like I was home. Actually, as I stepped across the threshold into that church, I heard three words uh, that sounded like 
almost like God was speaking to me, but they didn't sound like God was speaking. All of a sudden, the heavens opened, and, and the voice of God like kind of thundered forth. It actually just sounded like somebody rang a bell inside of me, and the three words that I heard were, you are home. And I walked through. I sat down. I went to the service. I didn't like it very much, if I'm honest. Um, I'm an Asian, as you can probably tell, um, so I'm not white. Uh, and um, I watched all these people dancing and worshiping and the level of indecorum in the place. I just couldn't handle it because that's not how we do church. Koreans don't do church like that. We weep, we cry, we feel shame, but we don't jump around and dance because that's like, <laughs> why would you do that? You know, um, anyway, so I remember I was sitting there and the senior pastor of the church at the time, a guy named Steve Nicholson. I mean, he's like in this, he's like preaching so Steve Nicholson, for those of you who don't know, founded the church. He's sort of like Alan Allen. He's like a legend, right? Uh, and he, he was on stage, and he was preaching, and, um, and then after the service, I was sitting in the second row, because this is what you do when you're new, right? When you're new to a church, you don't know where to sit. So you sit up front, or way in the back. Um, and I was sitting up front. I had the misfortune of doing that, because I thought, well, maybe... I don't know why I did that. Some people already had their seats. You know how that is? You have your seat when you come here? You do, right? You have your seat. And if somebody's sitting in your seat, you're like, do I talk to that person? Or <laughs> Anyway, so I, didn't, I, so I was sitting in the second and third row, and here's Steve, and Steve is standing up on stage, and he says, this usually doesn't happen to me, which later I found out is not true, but this usually doesn't happen to me, but... I feel like the Lord is saying a couple things to a couple people in the room. And it was like hundreds of people. He points to me, says, you have a gift of prophecy. And I'm like, okay. And then he points to the guy next to me and says, you have the gift of healing. Uh, and so then the service ended. And so then we walked up and we talked to him. And Steve was waiting for us almost like, you know, um, I don't know, kind of like a predator or something. Not like in a bad way, but in a Holy Spirit way. He's the Holy Spirit like predator that he goes and I'm going to get you. But anyway, like so I go up on stage. I'm, I'm recognized. I mean, if I did this in Chicago, everybody would like definitely get him off stage. But anyway, like I'm, I'm here. I stand up there. I'm talking to Steve and Steve starts asking me questions. He's like, so? And he's like looking at me expectantly and he asked me a bunch of questions. I'm like, I don't know what this prophecy thing is. I grew up in a Presbyterian church. So I figured you would teach me on this. And so then he asked me a couple questions. He said, well, do, do, does this happen for you? Does this happen for you? And I'm like nodding my head, you know, and I'm starting to smile because it's dawning on me that maybe I actually have this gift, right? So I'm kind of like starting to smile. And he claps me on the back and he says, that's it. That's the gift. And then he sees the smile on my face and he says, don't get proud, <laughs> is what he says to me. Um, which, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, I was shocked. But, and then he turned to my friend and he said, you have the gift of healing. And my friend's like, I don't know. And then Steve started to say, do you see all those things that are on his hands? Like the little gold and his fingers are glistening. Do you see that? And I'm, nope, not at all. But I said yes, because I was a young guy at the time. And <laughs> I, I lied. I lied. 
I lied. I did. I'm confessing it to you, but I took communion. So anyway, um, so anyway, like I, I, I didn't know really what prophecy was. I thought it was like this like kind of insane, ecstatic thing. Like all of a sudden I'd be able to tell you what lottery numbers, you know, and all that. You know, I thought, well, man, man I mean, but at least I thought this. I thought like, man, if I have the gift of prophecy, I am going to hear from God reliably all the time. I'm going to start hearing from God all the time. If I have the gift of prophecy, at least that's what it means. Like later I went to seminary and I found out that the definition of the gift of prophecy, if those of you are wondering what actually is prophecy, it's not actually fortune telling. So if you are driving by and you see somebody like tell your fortune, I used to actually think that that was prophecy, but that's not actually prophecy. And later I found out that prophecy was simply just spontaneously revealing Two people, what God had spontaneously brought to mind, right? And I found out more things about that later, but I just thought, man, I'm going to start to hear. And guess what I heard? After he told me that for three years, I heard nothing. Nothing. Man, I, and I really needed to hear some things because I was like in my early 20s. And for those of you in your early 20s, you're kind of like, Everybody says that youth is wasted on the young, but man, I mean, like, being in my early 20s, it's really hard. Like, I have no money. Um, I have a lot of freedom, but I'm like, I'd like to get married. I don't quite have my job yet. You know, like, it's, I don't even know if I'm supposed to live here, you know. And so I'm like in my early 20s, and I'm like, God, I really need to hear from you. I'd like to know what job do I take, what school do I, I'd like to know if I'm ever going to get married. I'd like to know all of those answers to those questions, and I really didn't hear anything. And so I know that you guys have just done a series in Psalm 23, and I know you guys are just about to embark on a series where you guys are going to start to learn how to pray for one another, which I think is so beautiful. But you might be sitting here thinking, uh, man, so, okay, I would like to hear God's voice too, but I don't ever hear him, and it bums me out. In fact, uh, I hear Kurt from this stage say, yeah, God is a speaking God. He wants to have a conversation with you. And I'm like, well, I got lots of things to say, but he doesn't seem to have anything to say back to me. That was my experience. I'm thinking, okay, now, so you were telling me, Steve, that I have the gift of prophecy and you yelled at me. Um, and so... Uh, okay, so I should be able to start hearing because if I'm honest, that's what I really wanted. I just wanted to hear God talk to me. And there's this passage in John 10 that talks about the shepherd and it talks about how the, she the, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Anybody ever read that passage? I'd always read that passage and I would feel pain because I, th I would think, man, I have no idea what the voice of my Lord sounds like. And so then, I'm with all these decisions to make, you know, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm doing seminary, so I'm doing seminary. I graduate from seminary. I get a job at a vineyard church in the state of Washington. Uh, and so I'm there, and I'm, I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I'm looking at the church calendar, and I'm thinking, man, we should pray more. Like, we should have a regular rhythm where we're actually praying from week to week to week. And so then I started this prayer meeting. And so we started praying every Wednesday or Thursday night. I can't remember when. Uh, and people would come to the prayer meeting, and we would just pray for these people all the time. 
And I got paired up with this young mom who had three girls, and we would always pray together. And we'd sit down and we'd pray for people, and as we'd pray for them, I would start having this random thought in my mind or this little soft image or this picture. Um, and I just thought that's my imagination. And lo and behold, the mom would pray the very thing that I was thinking. It just happened. It happened more times than I can count. I'm, so I'm like, we're praying for people. And, and here's this mom. Her name is Tracy. Um, if you're listening, Tracy, hi. She's probably not listening, but hello, Tracy. Anyway, we would pray together. She would he I would hear, so I would think that I was hearing something, or I would think something would, a thought would come into my mind, and then Tracy would actually pray that. And I thought, whoa, what is actually happening? So then I started experimenting after, I don't know, a couple months of that. I mean, it was literally like a couple months where I started to recognize maybe something was happening that was actually God speaking to me. And then I would start to say things like, well, I think I'm hearing this. And then I would pray it for that person. And then the mom, Tracy, would say, I heard that too. I heard that too. Pretty soon, I started to figure out, wait, maybe God does speak to me. And here's the thing that I learned about that. The thing that I learned about that is that if I really wanted to learn how to hear God's voice, I had to pray for other people. So if you're sitting here and you're thinking, I would really love to hear the voice of God, let me tell you a sure-fire way to do that. This, if, and if there is one thing that you take away from this message, please hear this. If you want to learn how to hear God's voice, then you need to pray for other people. You need to pray for other people. And here's the other thing that I want to say. You might also... You might also know this if you've been praying for people. As you grow in listening to hearing God's voice, most of what you will hear will not be for you. How many of you know that? If you really listen to God's voice, if you are really hearing him, and if you really, if you're like, man, I'm, I, I, I am dialed in. I'm going to hear from God for other, for, I'm going to hear from God. Most of what you will hear, maybe 80 to 90% of that will not be for you. It will be for other people. And, and by the way, this is not my own magical thinking. This is actually from the Apostle Paul who tells us this very thing in 1 Corinthians 14. So if you've got your Bible or you've got your phone or I like to use this joke at my church and nobody laughs, if you brought your desktop computer with you and fire it up. I've used it so many times, people are like, you're just like desktop computer. I'm like, so dumb. But anyway, all right, so if you've got your desktop computer, you can fire it up and you can look at 1 Corinthians 14. I want to talk about three things from 1 Corinthians 14 as a primer for hearing God's voice. Because you're going to embark on this, you're going to listen for one another, which is actually sort of at the heart of what it means to be a vineyard church, right? We, we activate the work of the Spirit by praying for one another. So here we are, 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to look at the first five verses. Follow the way of love. And eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially, everyone say it with me, prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to God, to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. 
Verse 4, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be edified. Now, I don't know when the last time was that you looked at this passage. Kurt, was, have you looked at this passage recently? No? Okay, well, I'm going to leave you to talk about tongues. <laughs> All right, there you go. Or Alan. Alan, that's your next assignment, tongues. Talk about tongues. Tongues. You've got, probably got lots of questions. I'm not going to answer any of them. We're going to talk about prophecy, though. Okay, so the first thing that we learn about prophecy from this passage is prophecy is primarily for me. Is that right? No, it's primarily for other people, right? So, so it's right here in these verses. Paul tells us that the gift of prophecy is not actually for ourselves to hear for ourselves. I remember I was at this training for prophecy. We do this prophetic training in our church, and I remember asking this question, and people were like, well, yeah, it's for me. I prophesied to myself, and I'm like, no, it's not actually. Um, it's actually for other people. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. The one who prophesies speaks to who? People, for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And yes, we do have rare occasions when God speaks to people about themselves in scriptures, don't we? I mean, if you're looking at the Bible, you know that, right? If you know Moses in the burning bush, you know that God is speaking actually to Moses. And if you know Abraham's story, you know that God spoke to Moses. Um, you know that a, the apostle Paul, God, or Jesus, like kind of like arrested him on the road to Damascus. But here's the interesting thing about the apostle Paul. He didn't get his vocation actually from his Damascus sort experience. Who had to come up and show up in his room and actually pray for him so that the scales from his eyes would fall? He could actually see. Where did he receive his vocation? He received his vocation from another person. And let me just tell you, that's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is increasing dependence on one another. So it's a pernicious lie that we grow and mature, and as we grow and mature, we, come, we become more independent. How many of you know that to be true? Like, how many of you grew up in a home where your parents told you, as soon as you're 18, you're out? You are out. Anybody ever grow up in a home like that? I know we have this, well, Andy's raising his hand. We'll pray for you later, buddy. Uh, but, like, uh, uh, Andy's, a, Andy's a vineyard pastor in Manchester, New Hampshire, um, and uh, so that's him over there, so... So start listening for him. Just kidding, Andy. Uh, but but how, many, how many of you grew up in a home like that where you were like, okay, at a certain age, it's not appropriate for me to lean on my parents anymore? Anybody grow up in a home like that? I know that we have a crisis. Maybe it's a crisis for some of you. Maybe it's not um, of adult adolescence. I don't know if you guys have heard about that, where people are staying at home more than ever. And can I just say, in the kingdom of God, your father always wants you home. You will grow in increasing dependence upon one another. That's how it works. Mutuality. Uh, the, the listening for others is actually like this communal practice where the church learns to depend upon one another, where the church learns to lean into the truth that you and I are weak and foolish and we need, we need help from other people. I mean, it's sort of baked into this. Why wouldn't it be just God could speak to me by myself? Couldn't, can't he do that? Well, he absolutely can, but he didn't make it or work it out that way, did he? It's the whole reason why we have church, 
Why can't we have a transcendent experience with God and not come to church on a Sunday morning, especially when it's cold or there's ice out or there's snow if it ever snows here in Paraland? Does it ever snow here in Paraland? You know, maybe not. Well, in Chicago, it snows a lot. And so people are battling the elements to get to church. They're like, man, I watched church for two years from home. And now you're going to tell me i got to put on pants and go to church? You know, but the whole point of it, though, is this. The whole point is that how can you hear for other people? How can you actually, like, grow in your dependence to one another so that you can hear from God? Well, the Apostle Paul is saying, here's how it works. You lean toward one another. So prophecy is this gift that is given to the life of the church for one another, not just for ourselves. So we baked it in from the very, very beginning that we would need to depend on one another. Let me just tell you, it is a great gift for you to tell someone, not only for yourself, but also for that person, I need you. I need you. I need you. I mean, that is one way to talk about the gospel. One way to talk about the good news of Jesus Christ is that I cannot make it alone. I need you. I need you. I need you. And prophecy, this is what Apostle Paul is talking about, all right? And so I think that the hopeful future of the Pearland Vineyard is that all of you are hearing God for one another. So that when you come to church, you're like, I'm going to hear from God today. And you know that when you're going to hear from God today is going to be through the hands and the voice and the ears of somebody else somebody else. I'm like, I don't know how you do audience participation uh, here at the church, um, but, you know, like, maybe you don't do it this way, and Colonel never invite me back, but would you just turn to your neighbor and say, I want to hear God's voice for you. Would you turn to your neighbor and say that? Would you turn to your neighbor? So, like, in Chicago, that would have lasted five seconds, and 75% of the room would be like, I'm not doing that. But here in Houston, it's like, I want to hear God's voice. How are you? How are you doing okay? I mean, there was a conversation, so I, I love it. I love it. All right. So that's the first thing that I want to say. Uh, the second thing that I want to say um, from 1 Corinthians 14. So the first thing that I want to say is prophecy is primarily for other people. The second thing that I want to say is eagerly desire is what the Apostle Paul says in the first verse of 1 Corinthians 14. But he also says eager. But what he's also saying, he's also saying eagerly expect. Eagerly desire, but also eagerly expect. You might be sitting here thinking, Ted, you're a guest here. I buy it. You know, you'll leave, and we'd be glad. But, and you're, but, but you're like, okay, yeah, Ted, I get it. That makes sense. If I want to hear God's voice, I need to pray for others. Most of what I hear for other, will be for other people. I buy it. I buy it. I get it. I get it. And then you're thinking, well, wait, prophecy. Are you saying that I can prophesy? I mean, I just want to hear God's voice. I don't want to be a prophet because, like, I've seen them on TV or on YouTube. And I'm like, those people are weird. <laughs> you know, like, uh, don't certain people have the gift of prophecy? Uh, and I just want to hear God's voice for people. Um, uh, present, I'm not saying anything about prophets out there. I'm just, well, I guess I am, but anyway. So, don't certain people have the gift of prophecy? And yes, there are. The, yes, certain people do, because certain people do have, have, um, have that gift, and they hear with a lot of frequency and a lot of fruit. Um, but it might surprise you to learn that at most vineyards, we don't ever call anybody prophet. I don't know if you guys did that here, Alan, or nope, nope, no, we don't. What, we, what do we say? We say that a person is prophetic. 
And, that's, and all we mean by that is we mean, oh, they probably hear with unusual frequency and fruit. And part of the reason why we don't label anyone a prophet is because of Joel 2. Um, so, and afterward, Joel 2, verse 28. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So I think these verses are on the screen. Uh, yeah, this is great. Leave this one up. So who does that exclude? Does it exclude anybody? No. What Joel tells us is there will be a day that comes when the Spirit of God will be poured out in every single person. And what will actually happen? Well, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. What does that mean? That means that each of you in this room can hear from God. Some of you might be extremely prophetic, and what we mean by that is that you're hearing all the time. In fact, there are some people in the room who are extremely prophetic, and you just don't know it. We want to pray for you today, I, because you're always hearing things. You're always picking up that radio frequency, and you're like, I don't know what that is. And you have dreams. Some of you have dreams, and you haven't told anybody about it, and we want to make sure that we pray for you today. Um, part of the reason why we do not call anyone a prophet is we believe that everybody can hear. In fact, the founder of our movement, John Wimber, said everyone gets to play. And what he meant by that is he meant everyone gets to hear. Everyone gets to join in the adventure of the supernatural work of the Spirit of God to hear his voice for the strengthening, edifying, and comforting of the church. You all can hear. Every single one of you. Okay, we'll do the audience participation one more time. You know, and would you turn to your neighbor and tell them, you can hear from God. Yeah, I'm going to do this all day, because it doesn't happen in my church like this. <laughs> like, turn to your neighbor and say, you can hear from God. And people are like, nope, nope, I'm not going to do it, not going to do it. Don't tell me what to do. I'm a city person. I've made my way. Anyway, I love the spirit of generosity in the room. Yeah, turn to your neighbor one more time and tell them, you can hear from God. That's right. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so, so, I, so what, what does that actually mean? Well, that means I think when you come into the room on a Sunday morning, you should have expectation. So the Apostle Paul is saying, eagerly desire it. And I think that underlying what he's saying there is he's also saying expect it. Because I know um, that this is Kurt's dream for the church. I know that his dream for the church is that there would be an explosion of the work of the Holy Spirit where you are praying for one another, hearing for one another, and you're doing it not just in the confines of this room, but out there. I know that because I know Kurt. Because Kurt has a heart for the city. I know it. I know it. And so when you come in on a Sunday morning, would you have some expectation? So maybe next week when you come into church, would you just keep your eyes close during the worship and one ear to the Spirit of God because maybe you will hear something for someone. And I know that Kurt's going to lean into that over this next series. Okay, the second thing. Third thing that I want to say. All right. Uh, first thing is prophecy is primarily for other people. Second thing is we all can prophesy, so we have, must have some expectation, right? And the third thing that I want to say is eagerly desire 
to be prophesied to, not just to prophesy. Right, so what, is, what does the Apostle Paul mean when he says eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy? I think that part of what he means is he means not just to prophesy, but also eagerly desire it in your church. Eagerly desire it in your community. Eagerly desire to hear prophecies from other people. You know, when I first got to the Evanston Vineyard, they would do this thing where Steve would talk for like about 20 to 25 minutes, and then he would bring up some people on stage, and they would give, Kathy's nodding because she knows this, so give, they would stand up there and they would point people out and say, here's a prophetic word for you. And in those moments, when I first started attending the church, I would try to hide behind the chair. I'm like, nope, I do not want to be called out. I don't want somebody to like have me stand up and I don't want them to say, Ted, we know your secret sins because God told us. I didn't want that to happen, right? Because I was thinking, that, well, that's what prophecy is. Um, but, but Paul is saying, no, 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 prophecy is actually for edifying, building up, encouraging. It's for strengthening, it's for comforting, right? I didn't really understand that until I started watching what would happen in the room. The more I watched, the more I was like, man, I hope they call my name. I hope they ask, they say, well, Ted, we've got a word for you. I hope they do that. I hope that I can stand up in front of everybody. Because what I noticed is when prophecy was happening in the room, the most oxygen was in the room. When people were hearing for one another, there was the most air. There was the most encouragement. There was the most strengthening. There was the most like edifying. That was happening in the room. I just knew every time he would say, okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to have some people come up, stand up on stage, and they're going to give prophetic words. I'm like, man, sign me up. Because every time that happens, I feel encouraged. And how many of you have been in a setting like that where you've heard a word given to somebody else and you felt encouraged? Anybody? Yeah, everybody's raising their hands, right? I think that part of what the Apostle Paul is saying is the Apostle Paul is saying, can you get all the encouragement, strengthening, comforting that you need from the scriptures? He's saying, well, absolutely. But in order for the church to lean fully into the bountiful, bountiful picture of flourishing that all communities ought to lean into, you should eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. It should be happening in your church. Maybe what the Apostle Paul is saying is maybe the Apostle Paul is actually saying when the gift of prophecy is not active in a church, in other words, when you're not listening and praying for one another, one another you will not experience the fullness of the edifying, the strengthening, and comforting that can actually happen as you go to church on a Sunday or a Friday or a Sunday night. Maybe that's what the Apostle Paul is actually saying. The, the gift of prophecy edifies, builds up the church, strengthening, encouraging, comforting. It might be surprising to you, but having a sense in your gut that God wants you to go over and tell someone that God loves them is prophecy, more than any kind of prophetic word about who's going to be the next president. It might delight you to know that a very natural image in your imagination that comes out of left field about the person sitting next to you playing an instrument leading worship is more prophecy than a prediction from a televangelist about the next revival. Prophecy. Prophecy. As I come here and I stand on this stage, my, my hope and my desire for the Pearland Vineyard is that there would be this beautiful like abundant 
present, where people are leaning on each other to hear from one another. 